You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Now, I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news that I proclaimed to you, which you in turn received, in which you stand, through which also you are being saved. If you hold firmly to the message that I proclaimed to you, unless you have come to believe in vain, For I handed on to you as of first importance what I in turn had received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all of the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we have family in town this weekend to celebrate my wife's birthday. It's uh, Christie's birthday weekend this weekend. Uh, And undoubtedly, when when the family gets together, one of the things we love doing is we love to reminisce. We love to tell stories. We love to look at old pictures on our phone, old videos. We tell stories about trips uh, that we've taken, old stories from our own childhood. Uh, When I see my kids run around, I keep telling them that it's like looking into a little time-traveling mirror uh, when I see my kids do the things that I did uh, when I was that, their age. One of the most important things we do as a community is to remember. To remember our past, to remember who we are. Remembering our story helps us understand who we are now and helps us in who we hope to be tomorrow. Remembering our story helps us understand who we are now, and also helps us to become who we hope to be tomorrow. Remembering our story is important. This week, uh, the Apple Corporation uh, released the new iPhones, uh, the iPhone X, I think S it is, XS, There's a sermon in there of the phone excess, iPhone excess. Just, you know, just don't don't miss the irony of that. Uh, The iPhone excess, right? I love that. Um, But but before, if you were, uh, it's funny, I was was convicted uh, this week during our Acts Bible study uh, where Paul says, he goes to to Athens. And he goes, all you do is sit around and look at the new things all day. You just sit and think about new things all day. And I had spent an hour watching the Apple broadcast of, of the new things and well, I might need to change my life. But anyway, so uh, at the beginning of the Apple broadcast, they, they had this quick shot of the nameplate above the theater into which they were going, and it said the Steve Jobs Theater. But then they moved on and went in and talked about something new. There was this slight nod to the founder, to the one who brought about this revolution. It could, it could just as easily be called the Steve Wozniak Theater, but that's hard to spell. So it's the Steve Jobs 
theater. Just this quick nod to their history. Same thing is going on right now. I don't know if you know this. Mickey Mouse is 90 years old this year. And as Walt Disney often said, it all started with a mouse. Just this quick nod to this origin of a story, this seed that was planted November 18th, 1928. The same thing holds true with Asbury. Asbury didn't happen in a vacuum. Uh, St. Stephen's and uh, Curtis Park coming together as one. In fact, I have this, this nice little, th- I have this on my shelf. Uh, it details the ministry of, of Curtis Park. And it's interesting to see the mission and the vision of Curtis Park before those two congregations came together to form what we call our home today, Asbury United Methodist Church. Who we are today has a lot to do with who we were yesterday. And that's where Paul begins his message today. He says, now I would remind you, he starts with a memory, now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news that I proclaimed, pay attention to the tense. Pay attention to the tense. I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news that I proclaimed to you, which you in turn received, in which you stand, through which you are being saved. In this one verse, Paul brings together the whole of time itself. He asks them to remember what they have received, recognize who they are now, recognize how they stand now, and acknowledge that God is not finished with them yet. The good news you have received, on which you stand, and through which you are being saved. Paul is a very good Wesleyan. Paul would be a really good Methodist. Those of us who are being saved. It's a process. It's a journey. Or at least the good news is God is not finished with us yet. (laughs) There's more to learn. There's more to grow. But what is this, what is this good news that Paul has offered to them, that Paul reminds them of? Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with with the scriptures. He mentions in accordance with the scriptures twice. And as Christians, we have to pause for just a moment. Because when we think of the Bible, like if you come to Bible study, we have a picture in our mind of Genesis to Revelation. But this is not what Paul is talking about. When he talks about in accordance with the scriptures, he's talking about what we would call the Old Testament or the Hebrew scriptures, the Torah. The law, right? The Torah, the prophets, and the writings. The Torah, the prophets, and the writings. That was the scriptures at the time of, of Paul's writing. Sometimes we, sometimes we forget about this. We, we forget that the Bible that Jesus had had none of the New Testament in it. And it's especially important to remember this when we get into squabbles of how to interpret the New Testament. That the New Testament is the detailing of the flourishing of the church, not the flourishing of itself. In accordance, Jesus did all of these things in accordance with the scriptures. The Torah, the prophets, and the writings. The New Testament as we know it was not yet on 
the scene. And in fact, as we were reading uh, Wednesday night in Bible study, the, the, the Ethiopian eunuch with Philip was convicted and converted and baptized by reading Isaiah. Not the Gospel of Luke. Not Paul's letters to the Thessalonians. This is what Paul's trying to do. He's trying to ground this Christ event into God's story, into history. In other words, Christ is not a new thing that God is doing. That foundation had been laid at the beginning of the... When God created the heavens and the earth, and God looked at it and said, it is good, indeed it is very good, God did not say that it was perfect, because even from the beginning of time there was room for Christ. Paul is, is, it's not Christ that is new to the story. It is we who are being made new. Paul is grounding Christ into the story of God from the very beginning. What is it that Christ did that Paul is trying to reveal to them? This good news, this good news that even precedes the New Testament, this good news. What is it that Christ did? Christ died, was buried, and rose again. On the third day. Not only does Paul ground Christ in the history of God's people, he wants to show in this earliest creed, this scholars uh, debate this as they debate everything, uh, the earliest creed of the church is, is, is this language from Paul, in this earliest creed, that this is a flesh and blood story. Christ died and was buried and rose again lest you think that this was just some kind of spiritual affair. Lest you think that feeding people is not important. Lest you think that caring for the poor is not important. This is a flesh and blood story of God in the flesh with us. He says Christ died for our sins. There's a great quote from Jürgen Moltmann, which you should say five times fast, just for fun. Jürgen Moltmann, uh, which is a German uh, theologian, uh, it'll be on your... Because sometimes when we, think about, when we think about Christ died for our sins, sometimes we think that God is angry and he's mad and he's just ready, he's going to hit us over the head with a... Unless you believe, and then God will put the stick down. Listen, listen to it. This is from uh, a book called The Crucified God. This is what he says. The opposite of love is not wrath, but indifference. Indifference toward justice and injustice would be a retreat on the part of God from the covenant. But God's wrath is an expression of God's abiding interest in humanity. Anger and love do not, therefore, keep a balance. As injured love, the wrath of God is not something inflicted, but a divine suffering of evil. It is a sorrow which goes through God's opened heart. I'll read that ending part again. As injured love, the wrath of God is not something inflicted, but a divine suffering of evil. It is a sorrow which goes through God's opened heart. God's wrath is an injured love. That injury is what Christ experienced. It was God's opened heart revealing to us the depths of God's love for us. And that's only part, that's only part of the story. 
that Christ died. And if that wasn't mind-boggling enough that God put on flesh and that God experienced death itself, the story continues to say that Jesus was buried. There was this holy stillness of the tomb. Now, I, I am not a patient person. It's a, the, the fruit of the Spirit, the first one it says, uh, or, or love, uh, the first Corinthians chapter 13 says, love is patient. Like, I have to stop there. <laughs> I have to work on that one. Just that first one. For example, <laughs> um, uh, last week, I had the opportunity of working the concession stand at Cope Middle School. And it was great. It was a lot of fun. And every grade is different, man, because the sixth graders come up and they're not quite sure what to do. Like, God, maybe I'll want some popcorn. I don't know. What's the cool thing to get? I know I'll get Takis. Yeah, I'll get that. Uh, no, maybe that's not the cool. I don't know. Uh, uh, now and later, I don't know. And they're very nervous. Seventh graders, man, like a well-oiled machine. Bam. I need two bags of chips. Bam. I need a popcorn. Bam. And they're just wheeling and dealing, man. And then the eighth graders, man, they're sly. Eighth graders walk up and they kind of put their, you know, they kind of lean in and he goes, uh, I really, uh, Mr. Matt, I really, I really want some chips, but I only got a quarter. <laughs> Looks like you're having gum today, my man. <laughs> you know, they wheel and deal, baby. I love the eighth graders, man. They, they come, hey, you know, uh, my buddy over there wants some popcorn. Your buddy needs to come over here and give me a dollar then. <laughs> I love it. So I come home uh, uh, b- before leaving the concession stand. I, I, I tell uh, all the other moms, uh, they call me the dad, which is just, I love it. They call me the dad. I go in there and say, well, I said, I guess I'll, uh, I guess I'll see y'all next week then. Um, and then as I'm walking, uh, uh, one of the other folks said, um, hey, si- since you'll be back next week, do you, do you want to be the co-vice president of PTO? Sure, why not? You know, what the heck? You know, why not? So I go home and I tell Christy, I said, man, I had a great time, you know. I told him I'll be back next week and next week's the PTO meeting. And, I'm doing it. and she goes, oh, bless your extroverted heart. <laughs> she goes, I only signed us up to work it once a month. You know, and I'm like, every week, baby, bam, 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 bam. Being patient, be, ask the staff this, being patient, being still is, is not a fruit of the spirit that I have, which is why it's, it's, it, it's mind-boggling to, 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 um, to meditate on the cross and to recognize that God died, at least that's the end conclusion of Mol- uh, Jürgen Moltmann's The Crucified God, that God died, but maybe even it, it's, it's more profound that Christ was buried and rested. And sometimes the church, the church is busy like me too. Sometimes the church wants to fill in the gaps and say, well, while Jesus was in the tomb, he was, uh, he was harrowing all of the souls uh, in Sheol. Or, or, or was it that, that Jesus went down to hell and was tricking the devil? We called it, uh, it's a theology of the early church. We called it commando Jesus, where he came and like beat up the devil and like stole all the people from... Could it be, could it be that God simply 
rested. It's right there in the beginning of the story. On the seventh day, God rested. That is profound to me. That maybe, just maybe on that holy Saturday, the day between Good Friday and Easter Sunday, that God, in fact, did nothing. To remind us of the holiness of being still and recognizing that the world will, in fact, spin without us. And it's not up to just me or just you to bring about the kingdom of God. See, rest, rest isn't indifference. Rather, it is a trust that boggles my mind. It is a kind of patience that I hope to acquire. Maybe Paul McCartney was right. Let it be, let it be, let it be, oh, let it be. Some things we need to let be. That's okay. This week, uh, I also had the the great opportunity of of speaking at Airlines uh, FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. We hosted their breakfast this Friday morning, and it was at 6.30 in the morning. I asked Tim if he would do it, and he said no, so I, I had to do it. Um, I went up to, um, you can abbreviate associate any way you want, my man. So I went to uh, FCA's uh, breakfast on Friday morning, and I, I didn't say, all right, so, um, and, but I told them, you know, when folks ask me to speak at these kind of things, I do tell them, I said, I want you to, I want you to be aware that I, I'm, I'm a United Methodist pastor, and I'm going to bring Jesus when I go. You know, so if you want a nice, polite, rah, rah, re, kick him in the knee, rah, rah, ras, kick him in the other knee, kind of a, a bumper sticker kind of a message, you're not going to get it from me. No, 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 come on. So good. So this is what I opened with. I love it. This is what I opened with. Are you supposed to kneel or stand during the national anthem? Oh, you could have heard a pin drop. There were some adults in the kitchen throwing up at that point. <laughs> I said, look, um, there are some who don't want you to kneel during the national anthem. There are some who don't want you to kneel in prayer in the end zone when you score a touchdown. I said, why don't we mess up the entire world and kneel in prayer during the anthem? world won't know what to do with that. One side says, stand up. The other side says, don't you dare pray. Why don't we, why don't we kneel in prayer? And that's when you know you're starting to preach the gospel when both the right and the left have no idea what to do with you. But then I said, I don't want to talk about the beginning of the game. What I want to talk about is the ending of the game. When the dust has settled and the scoreboard has been turned off and there's a winner and a loser, that you go and shake your opponent's hand. At least growing up, that's what we did, right? Good game, good game, good game, good game, good game, right? Or then you had that real clever kid. Good game, good game, good game. Good game, good game, good game, good game, right? I said, that's the part that they never televise. That's the part that the media never reports on. As Christian athletes, why don't you be a light to the world and teach the world the dying art of shaking your opponent's hand? 
Someone's got to win. Someone's got to lose. That's how a game is played. But that doesn't mean you can't shake the hand of the guy on the other side of the field. That's what's dying. That never makes it to the news. That's what we need more of. Because, of course, there's resurrection. There's death. There's a burial. Then there's resurrection. There's new life. There's a new light in the world. It is the never-ending story of God. This everlasting covenant of God. This is the good news that they have received in which they stand and through which they are being saved. This process of living into this new world. Christ is not new. We are being made new through the power of the Holy Spirit and through Christ's resurrection. Christ's resurrection is the affirmation that everything that God has done is true and good and righteous. That's the thing I love about resurrection is that as soon as we think we're done, God continues to surprise us. It's like this week, I had a busy week. This week I went to uh, physical therapy again because of my, you know, false assumption that I could just get up and exercise after not doing it for 39 years. So uh, I went to physical therapy a couple weeks ago and then I went back and I I was under the assumption that I was going to go in. I was going to tell them I have no pain. Everything is great. They were going to take a look at my feet and say, all right, you're looking good and go out there and run a marathon. That's not what they did. Uh, I, I, I even put in my calendar 20 minute, a 20 minute window because it would take time for me to sit in the waiting room and to sign the sheet and you know, how's your father, you know, how's your mom and them, kind of a conversation with the guy. And I was there for an hour and 20 minutes. They gave me a whole new set of exercises to do. I exercised muscles in my feet that I didn't know I had. I thought they were completely unimportant. I said, I'm not done yet? He goes, oh no, you are just starting. It's a process. This transformation This new life, this new light is a process. And through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God continues to surprise us in this amazing story that God has given us. Death, burial, new life. Or or dying to ourselves, having the patience to trust in God. And then receiving a new and exciting life that happens every day we open our eyes. This is the story we have received, in which we stand, and through which we are being saved. And just like Paul, we are called to pass this story on as well. And that's what this series is about. Learning how to pass this story on to those who have ears to hear it. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and most wonderful God, you have given us a story that we have received, 
a story in which we stand, and a story through which we are being saved each and every day by the power of the resurrection, this Holy Spirit power that is within us. Father, give us the courage to tell this story, to continue your word, to offer ourselves so that your word might be known throughout the world. Help us to die to ourselves. Help us to have the patience of a holy Sabbath and help us to recognize this new birth every day. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. This time we invite our ushers to come forward for the giving of our tithes and our gifts and our offerings. And your offerings is what helps us tell this story, to continue to tell this story. Fun fact uh, about this uh, Curtis Park uh, uh, sheet about their ministry, on every page, I love this, on every page it, it says, for example, through worship, this is what we do during worship. And at the bottom of the page it says, this is how much it costs to do worship. And then on the next page, I love it, it says, this is Christian education. This is what we're teaching our children. And at the bottom of the page, this is how much Bibles cost. Uh, And it goes on and on and on. Uh, I I thank you for your sacrificial giving and for your gifts to the church. That is one of the ways, one of the most important ways that we can continue God's story is through your giving. Let us pray for God's blessing. Holy Father, we know that you offer us everything that we need. And we give you thanks for this opportunity to share our gifts, to share our wealth, to share who we are with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.